It's 4 o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Woohoo! <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and I want to welcome my very special guest and a dear friend of mine, the CEO of Disc Makers and DIY Media, Mr. Tony Van Veen. <laughs> Michael Esco, thanks for having me. It's great to be here, as always, when I'm with you and, of course, with your faithful viewers. Yes, and they are. Let me... Uh... I'm going to bring you up a little. I think your level is a little lower than mine. All right, here we go. And Testing my, one, two. Yeah, mine is really hot. Testing. How is it, everybody? How are the levels on Tony? And Testing for I. Tony. Levels. Hello. It, there's a little delay before I hear back from the chat. Sounding good, yeah. Marianne Laird says. No um, all right. We like the level, says Carl Wurzbach. Thank you, Carl. We good brothers, <laughs> Samuel Nowden. Anyway, um, first of all, I, I, last week, Tony was supposed to be my guest on one of the sequels, but uh, Road Valley sequels, but uh, we had a scheduling issue, so we just figured, you know what? Let's do it today. This way I get 90 minutes with him rather than 60, which was going to be the other day, I believe. Um, and, and before we get into it, I want to say that uh, you were missed at the road rally. Um, several people came up to me because they know that we're really close friends. And they said, hey, where's your buddy Tony? And I said, couldn't make it. Uh, but um, it, it went great. I, I was, I, look, I, I love the, I love the rally. Um, I think it's an amazing conference. I think you and a very small team do an amazing job. I love talking to the artists to the songwriters there and hanging at the bar having a cocktail and chatting up and networking and the just the content that that you put on every year is is just tremendous it's actionable it's hard hitting so i really missed it um i had uh i was just telling michael offline earlier i tore my rotator cuff six weeks ago i had surgery five weeks ago and uh it was uh a little challenging for a number of uh, reasons and that, that being one of them uh with me because i'm like right now i'm like walking around with the chicken wing i got one arm and a chicken wing <laughs> uh yes uh well that means you don't have to wash any dishes do any laundry or help in any way shape or form around the house for like another five or six weeks uh, my wife has been amazing. Uh, she's uh, she's done a tremendous job, and uh, if I ever had any doubt, which I never did, it just confirmed I chose the right woman. Well, I've only met Farina once, maybe twice, but the night that you guys were over at our place for dinner, you could tell she was a very uh, straight-up, salt-of-the-earth woman. No BS. No BS. No BS whatsoever. So... That's, well, that's how we all roll, Michael. You, it is. Me, her, your wife. That's why we're friends. You know, it's uh, nice to meet people of similar. You know, Deb and I were talking about this because we just celebrated like 31 years of marriage, something like that. Yeah, 31 years of marriage. And she said, uh, it's funny, we're so different. Why do you think the marriage has lasted this long and still seems to be going well? And I said, it's all about values. 
Um, you can be very different people, but on the five or six things that matter most in life, which of course is, you know, your whether you're honest or not, you know, just your, your general morality, I guess, the way you choose yeah. to raise your kids, the way you choose to run your business. If all those things line up, one of you could be artistic and creative and the other one could be a hard-nosed business person, but you come together on the things that matter, which is really a lot like artists and the industry. Um, and I, I didn't plan that segue, but when you think about it, the people who have a good, I don't want to say moral base, but a good foundation um, in life tend to be the people that are most successful in the industry because they have a realistic outlook and they know they value hard work, gets good results, all those things. Yeah, and and they're they're I don't know about about you. I mean, I've I've met a lot of people in and around the industry, and the ones by and large most of the ones who are doing well are just, they're just nice people. They, they deal with yeah. you straight up. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah, we all deal with some assholes occasionally and sometimes you have to deal with them. But I think if, if you're a good person, if you're an honest, straightforward uh, and kind person, you'll, you'll get much farther than being not honest, not straightforward <laughs> and not kind. I agree wholeheartedly. And, uh, I've seen some people who are none of those things be successful, but it's kind of a, a hollowed out success, you know, and then they, you end up seeing them on uh, scoundrels, greedy scoundrels or whatever <laughs> on Discovery Channel late at night because they got busted for internet fraud or something. I don't know. Well, look, there's, I think we've all, regardless of what we do for a living, whether we do music full time or we have another day job, we have all run into people who we deal with because we have to and who we deal with because we enjoy dealing with them. Yeah. Right. And, and so, uh, if there's, if you, sometimes you have to deal with somebody as unpleasant as they are, cause they're the only one or they're for some reason, the best person to deal with. Uh, but if there's a choice, you would rather deal with the person who's who's a pleasant person a nice person so one of my pieces of advice to artists always is just be nice be polite be on time like it, it's it, it it helps it 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 helps you in so many little ways that you don't that you don't really think about or realize i remember when you and i first met which was probably in the mid 90s probably around 94 95 90 oh, that was when i was that was when i was still an asshole <laughs> no, but I remember you and I did a little dance where we were sizing each other up in the beginning. And then the mutual friend, David Kessel, who introduced us, um, he was the go-between that introduced us. And he said something that just cracked me up. And, and I don't know, and I told you, and you cracked up. And that was like the icebreaker that made us comfortable around each other. And it's been a lovely marriage ever since, I must say. <laughs> Yes, it has. I, I cherish your friendship and I thank will you. cherish. Thank you. I will cherish your answers on this today, because honestly, for the last 90 days, I was deep in road rally hell. I mean, I, I generally work about 90 some days straight, minimally 12 hours a day. 
Saturdays, Sundays included, and I kind of tune the rest of the world out, which the, the last few days before the rally is a little tough to tune the world out. This you don't year. get you don't get paid enough for that rally. I know. I know. I don't. <laughs> it's it's you know, I, I do it for love. As corny as that sounds, I do. Um, uh, but so I didn't hear about this whole Spotify thing um, till recently. So literally, you know what? I read about it like Friday of last week and yeah. fill me in because I'm not sure I, I know all the details, but it sounds like all the artists that you and I know are about to get screwed out of the pittance that they've been making from Spotify up till now. So now you're going to get most, less most than a pittance. <laughs> it's, it's, well, I mean, for certain artists, you would you would get zero. So here's the deal. Um, you know, look, Spotify for a long time, for years, has been under pressure from the major labels to increase their payouts to the majors. Right. Um, and the majors are already getting the vast, vast bulk of all streaming payouts because their artists are the ones that are listened to the most, right? And uh, and so when when you get paid for every listen, then oh, no. there's a lot of payments that are that are. Are we there? Yeah, you're freezing, but like last time, uh, you'll come yeah. back. I feel confident. Uh, yes. So there's 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 a lot of listens to major artists, and and yet the market share of the majors has gradually been dropping over the years. And a big part of that is because there has been a ton of independent content that's being self-released through CD Baby, DistroKid, TuneCore. And there are fans that listen to this stuff, right? So, so when you measure all of the listening together, that piece is growing to I think 30 or 35% of the total pie at this point in time. Wow, and that major, number surprises me. And, and the majors are shrinking. And so there's been a ton of pressure on the majors because they're feeling, I mean, it's, if you'll excuse the, the you know, the, their market share things, it's like, if you'll excuse the crude expression, it's like measuring their dick size, right? <laughs> the bigger market share. Yeah. Uh, Ariana's gonna bleep that in the edit. The, the, the bigger market share, <laughs> Uh, the, um, you know, the bigger it is. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and, and so the majors are under a lot of pressure. They've been putting a lot of pressure on Spotify and on the other streaming companies um, to increase their payouts. And so, and they've been pushing this narrative that all this independent content is just getting in the way of the great artists that the majors have, which is total baloney yeah. because my music, I have my punk rock band from 1986 is on Spotify. It is not in the way of any major artist content, right? I mean, the, the streaming companies algorithms are not recommending me, my punk rock band when someone is, is searching for turnstile, right? This right. Baltimore hardcore punk band. So, uh, so, but that's that's the game that the majors are playing. And sh the leading proponent of this is Sir Lucian Grange, who is the CEO and chairman of Universal Music Group, the largest label in the world. And he started this thing just a couple of weeks ago 
where he said, if you're, if you don't have a certain minimum amount of plays, you're not an artist, you're garbage. And the distributors who distribute this kind of content are merchants of garbage. Like literally he's calling CD baby TuneCore and DistroKid merchants of garbage. So, and they've been, they've been pushing this narrative that indie is inferior and they've instead of like pay everybody per stream, which is what we're, what has been happening so far, they have been pushing this artist centric pricing, which sounds really fair, right? Artist centric pricing, uh, <laughs> except, except it's like in their Orwellian use, uh, the artists, they're, they're describing them as, uh, uh, working professional artists or something like that. So they're basically dismissing all of the artists who are not professional artists and whose streams fall below a certain, uh, a certain threshold. So to, to get to the punchline here, Spotify recently discussed three changes to their policy. One is, and the most egregious one is that any song that does not accumulate a thousand streams in a year, will not get paid royalties and not just that the royalties won't get paid those royalties will get redistributed to all the other songs and artists pro rata to their volume which means the majors get the most right. of those royalties, right the the, the lions the that's, lions that's flat out disgusting so so there's there that that's one secondly uh distributors who distribute content that is somehow fraudulent what does that mean i don't know they have many criteria one of the criteria is if you have an artist or an album or a song and the streaming companies deem that you're using uh, a streaming farm right to artificially boost your streams um that there will be penalties for the distributor. What do those penalties mean? They don't know. Nobody knows, but it's probably a number of things, right? They will probably put the distributor on a watch list and there'll probably be a delay of number of days when they upload the content before it can go live. Uh, the royalty rates may be impacted. Who knows? There may be financial penalties. So that's, that's the second thing that they're looking to do. And then the third thing is there's a lot of um kind of you know background noise white noise kind of recordings that people use to right. go to sleep right waves crashing on the ocean rain on a pane of glass right and they're actually looking to stop or to change how the streaming royalties are paid on those because a lot of the that content comes from just professional like agencies who create content and they're gaming, they're actually gaming the system. And this is the one thing I don't have a problem with that they're making these, let's call them waves on the shore, right? Yeah. They make these tracks 31 seconds long because you know, a Spotify stream monetizes after 30 seconds and they are, so they're making these tracks 31 seconds long and they kind of fade out and fade in quickly. And then they make a playlist of them with like dozens or hundreds of them. And so, they, right. if you're listening to this on repeat at night while you try to sleep, there is a ton of royalties that get picked up. So they're talking about there's got to be some minimum 
um, length that one of those sound background sound uh, tracks has to be before they monetize. And they talk about it's probably like I don't know if it's going to be four minutes or something like that. So, well, which which I'm actually fine with because those yeah. people are really trying to game. They're trying to game. I mean, they'll game it at four minutes, but you know if they're playing. If gaming the system means doing what the company mandates should be done, but it's somehow, I, I agree with you. I'm not saying they're not gaming the system by doing 31 seconds, but hey, if Spotify said 30 seconds minimum. So, look, artists are gaming the system, right? If you look at, I saw some stat that the average song has gotten over the past five years has gotten something like 45 seconds shorter, mm -hmm. uh, and and that's because Spotify pays. There's a lot of songs now. I don't know if you ever noticed. There are a lot of songs that get released now that are actually shorter than three minutes. Oh yeah. And a single, a single always used to be between three and four minutes typically, Absolutely. right? And occasionally longer. Uh, now, there's there's plenty of songs that are two to three minutes long, and that's because the more songs that you can play, right, the more royalties you rack up. You're also seeing that's for that reason that there are artists who put out albums or playlists. That will have 30 songs yeah. uh, because because people will put them on in the background while they're working and it just kind of racks up stream so so people are you know i would call it in a kind of benign way gaming the system i think that some of these background sounds at 31 seconds are kind of probably in a bit of a malicious way gaming the system. yeah if if i want to turn on white noise or waves or rain on a window to fall asleep at night I want that stuff to run for minimally 30 minutes, quite honestly. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't want it going from, you know, 31 seconds and then crossfading to the next one for 31 seconds. My brain would be going, why did it do that? I would start analyzing that. But that's because that's you're a recovering engineer. That's right. I am. I, and I will never be fully recovered, sadly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this Spotify thing. So, so you may be thinking, and, and this is the case that Spotify makes and the majors make. It's a thousand streams. It's four dollars. You won't miss it. Yeah. And and that's 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 not even wrong necessarily. But that's not the point, right? The point is these are not just legitimately earned royalties from an artist. They're actually also trackable. Unlike some of this black box revenue that that is in the black box because. Nobody really knows the metadata may be bad and they don't know who these royalties belong to. Spotify knows exactly who these royalties belong to. And 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 now they're taking them and they're saying, no, your four dollars, Tony, for that song, they're going to go to Bad Bunny. And oh, it's almost Christmas. Give some to Mar Mariah Carey. Right. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's what's going to happen. And that four dollars. I won't miss four dollars. But if I have an album, that's sent 10 songs. That's 10 times $4. I had an artist who wrote to me. He says, I have many, you know, I have, I don't know. He said he had like 40 or 50 tracks on Spotify over a number of albums. He says, you know, many of my tracks get more than a thousand streams, but there, there are dozens of tracks that don't. Right. And so he's, he's not going to get paid. So it's $40, $50, $60. Again, is that going to put anybody in the poor house? No, but Spotify estimates that in year one, it's $40 million in royalties that get taken from small DIY artists and paid to other artists, mostly on the majors, 
and that over five years, it's a billion dollars. Yeah. I actually proposed a solution to this before Spotify was even a company. In one of the articles I wrote, I don't even remember where it showed up in, I, I don't remember, Music Connection, one of those magazines. And it was called The Musician Middle Class. And my proposal was that the major shouldn't go through the expense, trouble, and vetting all the things they do to sign an act to a major label, which are quite expensive, and they fail about 96% of the time, but they make so much money on the 4% that hit that it more than makes up for it. And I said, why don't you guys, all this changed with the advent of the Alesis ADAT, and that was part of my inspiration for starting Taxi. The minute you take expensive studios out of the equation and allow an independent musician, you hand them the keys to the car and say, here, now you can make your own, that's world changing. And I did see that coming. You know, I've, I've only had a couple good ideas or a couple good observations in my life. That was one of them. And um, so you have all these independent people that can make music. And why wouldn't the majors do kind of a, a primary level of A&R, which of course I was being selfish thinking they should use taxi for this, sign stuff that is pretty darn good but they know they're not going to have a, a 10 times platinum record with it. But could they sell 125,000 units of an album? And I was thinking in old school terms back then. Sure they could. So what if they didn't give the band a $250,000 advance? What if they didn't pay an expensive producer? What if, what if, all those things. And what if the whole thing cost them, you know, oh, and the band has to deliver the masters to the label. So there's no expense for the label. And the label just uses its marketing power, but not at the level that they would for Bad Bunny or some major artist. They could spread their bets amongst, rather than having 100 people signed to a major, they could have 25,000 people signed that were much smaller, much cheaper, and they each make X amount of dollars and the aggregate it adds up, which in that scenario would allow them to make the money from Spotify, just like they would on a major, but without hurting the indie artists and actually helping the indie artists. So yeah, somebody who's really terrible ain't going to be par a party to that. But for those people who are pretty darn good and have some sort of audience, they don't have the business wherewithal or the marketing backbone to do it on their own. Maybe this is a, there's a way to find equilibrium where both parties went. Just saying. Yeah. I mean, we can go down a rabbit hole on this. Obviously, the majors are doing this to an extent for A&R, right? Yeah. A&R nowadays, I think, is more a data game than a go out and actually uh, assess the artistic merit of an artist. Because the majors, they don't really do artist development anymore, right? right. They they let artists, they look at artists that are that are trending and actually getting real traction on the streaming sites. And then, of course, you know, they look at what's happening on some of the independent labels and where those artists are getting traction. And, and, and that's, that's the game. Look, I, I have spoken to a number of artists who were independent, getting real traction independently, yeah. doing their own marketing. They got signed to a label and the label ended up this is major labels 
spending less on marketing. I mean, you talk about let the majors do their march. The major labels spent less on marketing the artists than they were spending themselves. Doesn't surprise me. Not even that much. It's it's but it's like what are you what are you doing? Right? I mean, they take 80% of the royalties, which is another thing. Look, there are a lot of independent labels now that are that are doing kind of what you're saying, right? They're they they're seeing, okay, the artist has more leverage, more power as a label in this market environment, we may have less value that we add. And so there are more deals that are 50-50 or even 70-30 in favor of the artist uh, because the label realizes the artist is doing more of the market development, the self-development, the marketing uh, and driving demand. And we're here to fulfill that demand, yeah. right? And so there, there's a lot of labels that are doing some really cool stuff and some interesting stuff. The majors are still, they're still on the 2080 model where the artist gets 20 and they get 80. Um, so, but you know, we're, we're a little off track here. Um, sorry, we got another hour left. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and that's, that's, that's perfectly fine. And look, we can always take some, we can take some, if we run out of things to talk about, you know, we can, we can take some questions or yes, we, we can, can. Just go home and have dinner. Um, <laughs> so uh, well, uh, look, the, the thing is, the thing is this with the Spotify thing, right? I mean, Spotify may call this artist-centric pricing. To me, this is stealing. You took you took my royalties that you have been paying to me for years, and now you're giving them to Lucian Grange and his cohorts at Warner and Sony, right? And yeah. um, it's I I it's wrong. It's it's just wrong. Well, in the 90 days that I wasn't paying very much attention to the media, especially music industry media, unless it pertained to something I was doing at the rally, what is the general vibe out there on the street about this? I mean, and do musicians have any power to stop this other than wham, wham, wham in large numbers? So there's there, there, there are two camps, right? The one camp is... Eh, this may actually help artists. I, I don't know how. Eh, it's it's not a lot of money. This may actually help artists. Um, and I, I don't get that argument at all. And the other camp is what the hell they're stealing. Um, you know, we got to do something about it. So so what can artists do about it? What can you do about it? I mean, I have, uh, and, and by the way, people are fired up about this. You know, I, I do uh, every Saturday, I, I do a I have this YouTube series on the Disc Makers YouTube channel called the Indie Music Minute. I did one last Saturday, two days ago, about this, and I like I I none of my videos have gotten this level of engagement. I have over two hundred fifty comments on it. Wow! Um, and uh, because people are fired up, and so I've called on the the leaders of CD Baby, TuneCore, and DistroKid to you know, do something about band it. together, yeah. band together, band together with some other organizations, maybe that, that have a similar kind of mindset, maybe the future music coalition, and, and actually go lobby Congress like this. is. I think that there should be a law that this is actually illegal. 
that makes this unlawful to take legitimately earned and trackable royalties and pay them to somebody else. I mean, YouTube does something a little bit similar, right? There are certain YouTube channels that monetize, right? If you have less than, I think, a thousand subscribers or I don't know, 4,000 hours of listening, your YouTube channel doesn't monetize. And, and this is kind of, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Spotify was kind of inspired by YouTube uh, with this. Yeah. Um, so, and that, that could be a separate thing to look at. Uh, but I, I think the, the large companies, could, streaming distributors, digital distributors can put, put some resources into that. And I have, I have suggested to artists, call your congressman call your senator or congresswoman. Um, and a number of artists have said, I've written, I've called my congressperson, contact Spotify. Uh, you know, the, the spot artists, uh, Spotify for artists. Um, if you go online, it's artists, artists, plural dot Spotify.com slash contact and, and reach out and tell them you don't, you know, you don't appreciate it. And a number of artists have done that. And they're telling me Spotify tells them, I can't, I can't help you with that. I'm disconnecting now. So, <laughs> you know what? So I, I'm not this guy at all, but it, does Spotify have an office in the U.S.? Probably in San Fran, I'm guessing. I, I, uh, New York. New York. I, if, if 20,000 or 50,000 artists showed up in a protest, that would make mainstream media because it's not a political thing. You know, it's uh, these poor indie artists kind of thing. Lobbying Congress, I've actually lobbied Congress. I have gone on two lobbying trips and it's pretty amazing. I gotta say it was one of my prouder American moments that the fact that a group of songwriters, I think I went National Academy of Songwriters or somebody back in like the early 2000s. And you make appointments with all these different senators or Congress yeah, people, yeah. and you you go office to office every hour on the hour, and, and they will sit there and listen to you. And most of the time, I felt like they were kind of jerking us around. It's like, okay, these are constituents, so I'm going to play nice with them and let them come in my office. And uh, there were a couple that got it. That, who guess what? They were songwriters. Um, so well, Orrin Hatch famously was a songwriter. Right. right. He, that uh, was one of the offices no I went to. He's he's no longer in Congress. There are still some congressmen and women, I, and I don't know who exactly, and senators who who you know have a you know a predilection to supporting artists. I know that the recording hey, academy. I, I don't care about their sex these, life. Yeah, uh, I, predilection doesn't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, you're right. They're either so, songwriters it, or they're pickers or they're something yeah. that they actually give yeah. a damn. Yeah. And, and the, the Recording Academy, you know, the, does these occasional trips when they have something to lobby for. I don't know where the Recording Academy stands on this. I have not seen a position paper from them. Well, uh, isn't I, the I Recording Academy these, largely supported by the majors? I, so I think most of these organizations, uh, I would imagine the PROs, ASCAP and BMI probably feel similarly. They're probably looking nervously at their own black boxes where they're and, you know, how they're distributing and hoarding and redistributing so I, I i don't know from the traditional media can you hear me michael yeah yeah you're kind of going in and out but you'll come back i i don't know from the traditional 
musician and songwriter oriented groups, the large groups, how many of them would actually care enough to, you know, advocate for the, the small independent, the small emerging, the weekend warrior artist and songwriter, um, you know, to get these royalties. It's, you know, what's interesting. I, uh, there were a handful of artists who were commenting on my video. What is Taylor Swift going to do about this? You remember Taylor Swift, you know, she held out from Spotify, right? She, I think she took her songs down. Uh, it's interesting that that had a real impact on kind of the pers public perception of Taylor Swift and, and people are, I guess, artists are still thinking maybe Taylor will do something for us. But so. I, I would contend that, okay, that's great. That's fine. People always want somebody else to come and save them. They want somebody else to do the dirty work, the heavy lifting and rescue them. And I say, you know what? Stand up for yourselves, organize for yourselves. I, I'm not exactly, you know, Norma Ray. Um, and I've got to be careful what I do because I own this company and I don't want to hurt, you know, thousands of members because of the way a percentage or I personally feel about it. You are in the same boat, you know, we can get the word out, but there are some things that we can't take a pop. We have to remain neutral on. Um, but then again, making people aware. So we're here making people aware. I don't know why musicians can't organize themselves one of the reflexive things they often say is we'll form a union, but they don't understand. I don't believe how hard that is, but they could organize a pro Spotify would be so embarrassed to have 10,000 people in front of their office holding signs, knowing that was going to the media that they would probably reconsider this. Now, how do you get 10,000 people to converge on New York city? Well, you need a leader with a bullhorn, right? And that's, that's one of the challenges with independent artists. I nominate um, Derek some... Sivers. He's 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 unemployed. <laughs> our our good friend Derek. He, he'd be the perfect uh, guy. Yes, yes he would. <laughs> and David Kessel could be his vice president. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, or Taylor Swift, maybe. maybe. She used to be unsigned in indie. She did. But you're you're right. You you need. A person you need somebody at the helm so i have people that people are asking taylor swift and then uh, a number of people are said uh there should be a class action lawsuit um and uh, who knows that may work uh, all you need there is an enterprising lawyer uh to to look into the language when the language is written because i i don't think there is official language out yet and and figure out that okay there's an aggrieved class so check this out spotify has a hundred million songs approximately a hundred million this is no joke a lot of songs uh their own spotify stats from last year said that uh 37 million tracks would have hit the monetization threshold. 37 million tracks. Wow, so that means 70 or two thirds, close to two thirds, right? 63% would not. 63% of tracks. Now, how many of those 63 million 
have zero streams? I don't know. Um, but you're, you're basically demonetizing close to two-thirds of your tracks. Now, the, big, the dollars in the big scheme of things are, are small. Mm-hmm. Spotify is paying, I don't know how many billions in streaming revenue, in streaming royalties every year. And in year one, this is 40 million, right? So it's a small, it's uh, half a percent, a percent, right? Um, but uh, it, it impacts a large, large group of artists in a small way. Uh, you know, one artist, one, one argument I've heard is, yeah, well, it, then if, if we pay it, then it only sits in a, a a bank balance or a balance, an account balance at the distributor level. Right. Yeah. Okay. So pay it because at some point the artist is able to withdraw that balance or get it paid. You know, frankly, uh, we, we covered this to an extent at the road rally. Um, Shirelli had a team of people on stage talking about this, uh, but it also talked a lot about just being a grown-up and, you know, not just, hey, man, I'd love to create, do everything for me. Uh, it was a very inspiring panel. Normally, they do their thing in the 200-seat theater, but this time I put them in the ballroom. And he's got a young man that works for him who's very, very smart. I really like this guy. And he is the only person I have personally met that can sit down and explain every little thing you need to know about where to monetize your music in all these places. Um, I spent a couple hours talking to Rob about it one night, maybe a week before the rally, we were on the phone late at night, literally for two hours talking about this. And then uh, he and I, this young gentleman went out to dinner after, I think the Saturday night of the rally, and we talked about it again. The bottom line is it's all knowable. He's figured it out by trial and and error. It's all knowable, but it's complicated and requires a lot of time. You get to a point where everything is kind of templated and you just have to pay attention to your templates and your spreadsheets every month. But let's be honest, myself included, those of us who come from the creative side of the street, don't always have the best business skills or don't always have a burning desire to take care of all those little nicks and nats that require that a business running a business requires why has nobody ever created a company where i give you 20 percent and you go collect that 16 dollars here and 1200 there and 848 there why has nobody done that yet there are Look, some distributors have done some of it, right? Yeah, if you some. look at a, at a CD Baby or TuneCore, they they collect the sound recording royalty and they collect the publishing royalties. They collect uh, the YouTube uh, UGC royalties, ad royalties. Uh, but there are, and, and they're, they're trying to do some other things like sync. But sync is a little bit like a lottery ticket, right? It's it's on yeah. and off. And, and, oh, no, it, and, I, I would argue that point with you. It, it's it's a lottery ticket if they're going to wait for somebody to stumble on the music on YouTube and go, yeah. I like this. That's yeah. a lot. Being an active sync composer or writer for sync and going about it through the companies that Taxi famously hooks its members up with, that's not a lottery anymore. That is actually being proactive. But yes. that's a whole other let me, conversation. Let me refer... 
Let me rephrase my inelegantly phrased <laughs> sentence. Please. For the average CD baby artist uploading content to Spotify, sync is like a lottery ticket. Thank you. Because they because they go into the CD baby sync library and then they have to get lucky for you know somebody is searching for something in the metadata and whatever it comes up. Uh, and then you know you have look ASCAP and BMI are uh, you know, they're, they're collecting public performance. So you have to, you have to become a member of ASCAP and BMI. And actually, uh, CD baby does this, uh, they do this as well through their CD baby pro service, which is powered by, um, song trust. Uh, so th there, there, there is some, and then there, you know, neighboring rights that have to go through sound exchange. There is a rule that you have to apply directly for that. It's the clunkiest interface and the hardest to figure out. I have music. I'm sure I have royalties here. I couldn't fill out the damn application if my life depended on it. And and I don't know. I I don't think I'm that stupid. It's no, just, you're not. You're actually very, it's, very it's bright. Just, it's just it's just it's clunky. But there look, there's another reason, another thing that's happening here, Michael. Uh, you know, the, the distributors sitting on the big pools. They're the natural ones to do it. And I, I think each one of them are is doing that doing it to a greater or lesser degree the one of the challenges with the music industry today is we are dealing with an industry that is collecting fractions of pennies right there's a lot of streams you know an average spotify stream pays 0.4 cents and then to get the publishing royalty on top of it it's like 15% of that. So it's another 0.06 cents, right? And then a YouTube stream that monetizes is 0.005 cents or something like that. You are talking about thousandths of pennies for a listen, for a stream. And so for, for the, not for some businesses like a CD baby, if they can aggregate enough of it, it becomes nice business for them right but for for you as a songwriter and as an artist it's nothing it's, it's nothing right the, the the one unfortunate thing look the music industry was always a tough industry the one unfortunate thing you know about the streaming economy is it has totally effectively kind of killed the opportunity for that middle class musician, right? The, the average independent artist cannot make enough money from streaming to pay any bills. I would argue that point a little bit with you. I, uh, there's a caveat. Those who are willing to do, do the research, learn the stuff and do the work could probably earn you know, 50 to 100 grand a year doing it, assuming that the music is good. That That is always a, a given. But it's so complex to chase all this money down, to understand it and everything, that it basically takes everybody out of the loop. That's why I really contend. I, I know two or three people that I would love to make the CEO of such an endeavor because the, the masses don't have the, the wherewithal or the skills to do this. Um, but if they're making good music and they're willing to give somebody, you know, 20, 25% to collect that stuff that they normally wouldn't see a penny of, I don't understand why nobody's right. doing it. Michael. Yeah. 
here, here. let me see 50,000 okay dollars you want to make $50,000 so let's assume generously you're going to get I mean Spotify pays I think 0.35 cents uh per stream Apple pays close to double it uh, you got publishing royalties etc let's say you get point you're averaging 0.7 and Spotify is the biggest guy in space but let's say you're averaging 0.7 so 50,000 divided by 0.007 you would need I gotta, this thing is backward 7.1 million streams to make that this is sound recording royalty publishing royalties a little bit of ASCAP and BMI right seven million streams that's a lot of streams now can you get there yeah but but you you have to you have to have a catalog of multiple albums and then you know you have to constantly be releasing new stuff there I uh, I think it's doable and here's why there's an independent artist I know um who started in college doing um ambient music for uh meditation and yoga and that stuff there are a lot of people out there doing this it's over an oversaturated aspect but yeah. this guy started doing it um he only puts out his own music he's got one video alone on youtube last time i checked which was probably a couple months before the rally it was around 300 million streams on one video so it can be done and, you know, I, I've exchanged emails with this person. I think he's smart. I don't think he's, you know, he's not Steve Jobs. He's just a guy that figured it out. He's mostly a musician. But what he does is he works on it every day. He made himself a, a list of these are my tasks. He was responsible about it. I, I would estimate that this guy is making a multiple six-figure year income. But it's not because his music is so great. It's good, but it's not rate it's because he has learned what makes the algorithms happy and where all the places are to collect yeah. money if he can do it a lot of people can do it just saying yeah uh you most know, people still, can't it, no it's still look it takes real work to do this right the real work like yeah. not just it, 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 you have to be like a data nerd you have to like love digging into this stuff you have to love testing and trying things and seeing what drives more streams what drives less streams uh you know do your do your research figure out what the algorithm likes what your metadata what metadata is working better and not and you know a lot of artists don't right they don't have the time they don't have the head for it um so it's but look the business was always uh, like you know we're sitting here complaining about streaming but streaming is streaming doesn't pay but besides that like as an artist go to DistroKid and immediately like a billion people have access to your music right, right. Right. So streaming has that solved the problem that that the physical when I started at this makers and we were pressing LPs and then after a few years making CDs then back then people were bitching that I can't get distribution. Right. My stuff right. is great, but my distributor, uh, no distributor will carry me because I'm an unknown punk rock band from Philadelphia and no no record store is going to stock me. Right. So 
uh, we've we've solved that problem. Everybody will. And we've solved the, the uh, financial um, roadblock of, of I can't afford a studio at one hundred and fifty three hundred dollars an hour. So a couple of big roadblocks have been removed. And now the only Absolutely. roadblock is the person making the music needs to get the business side down. But the, the reflexive response to that is, can I just find somebody who will do it for me? I need a manager. A young lady came up to me near the end of the road rally <sighs> and she said, Bobby Borg told me to come and find you so you could introduce me to another guy who's a manager. And I said, I'm happy to do that, but I'm curious to know a little bit more about you. I've got a couple minutes here before my next panel. So what kind of music do you make? Well, it's kind of a mixture of this and of that. And I said, because she's a very nice young lady, I said, I don't want to burst your bubble. But if you talk to any real manager, not a wannabe manager, but somebody could actually really manage your career, knows how to navigate the major label landscape, all that stuff. If you gave them that answer, they're going to say, well, it's so nice to meet you and walk away because you have to have a singular identity as an artist, a singular vision, and you have to be so focused that they want to jump on your wagon and go along for the ride rather than yeah. your reflexive response as an artist, which is, I just make pretty music, so put me in the wagon and pull me to success. Turns out this young lady is very, very bright, like genius level bright, I would suspect, like super bright. I think given the right instructions, um, she could pull this off on her own. I think that there are others out there that could do this. So just like back in your day, your band had to put posters up on telephone poles. You had to drive a crowd to come to a club, play in the Middle East in Philly, one of my favorite clubs ever. I don't know why, but I love that club. Um, and uh, it was up to you. And that's how bands yeah. got signed back then, because a band could have people lined up out the door at the Middle East in downtown Philly and every week. That's how it is today. Exactly but right. It's yep. still that. Look, the reason a geezer like me can still give artists advice. Because <laughs> uh, you've been uh, there. 35 years after I started working for Disc Makers and 33 wow. years after I stopped uh, making music myself is because the underlying dynamics of the industry and of the artists and their interests and their mindset and their abilities has not really changed. The, the, the technology has changed completely. And the opportunities have up, gotten better. It's still up to the artist to create their own demand, right? To generate the demand for their own music. And now a lot of it is online, but you still have to do that with social media, with your social accounts, whether it's TikTok or Insta or YouTube. Um, I mean, when when I'm, I'm dating myself, I already called myself a geezer. Like we were literally licking stamps for our newsletter for our band I, back in the day. When I started Taxi, um, software to generate a sheet of mailing labels didn't quite exist yet. Deborah and I would stay up till two o'clock in the morning, multiple nights in a row, hand addressing thousands of pieces of paper mail and putting yeah. stamps on them one by one. Uh, yeah. So yeah, you gotta be willing to do the work. Most people aren't. And, you know, and back to the topic that we're talking about here today, we have artists, I have artists, you know, again, on my YouTube, on our socials with this makers where we posted these videos, they're saying, that's it, I'm gonna take my music down off of Spotify. All right. I mean, you, you could, but I wouldn't yeah. recommend it, right? Because 
I, and I've, I've been saying for years to artists, you won't make money from Spotify, but use it effectively like radio. Use it like a promo champ, right? That's where the listeners are. So you don't want to not be there. One of the big things is you have to be where the buyers are, right? Yeah. And, and, and so, uh, you know, there, um, it's a buyer in quotation marks on Spotify, but uh, they're, 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 you have to get their attention and you have to interest them enough to actually click on your song and listen to it. And, and when you do, hopefully it's good enough to hook them and get them to add it to a playlist or, you know, to follow you or to favorite you. Speaking of playlists, Shirelli's young, hardworking, smart gentleman um, tried a bunch of different playlist companies where you can buy your way onto playlists. And he found many, many, many that didn't work and a couple that did work. So he he's done all this research and I'm he's smart, but he's not the only smart guy out there. Somebody needs to do this, but are they willing to risk not working because you and I both know start a company up takes easily two to three years of barely any income. I, Deb and I literally had no income. I had 22 grand in the bank when I started taxi. That was gone inside of six or eight months easily. And we had no income. Couldn't buy groceries yeah. and pay rent, kind of no income. So most people don't have the wherewithal to do that. They don't have the stupidity, which in my case I did. Or and the, the cojones. I, I don't know if I ever had cojones. I think I was just, I, I was naive like many artists are. I thought that my idea for this company was so good, just like artists think their music is so good. The minute anybody hears it, they're gonna latch right onto it. I thought artists would be beating down my door to join Taxi. Truth of the matter was the labels glommed onto it much faster than the artists did. And it was a long, hard slog of working from basically 6.30 in the morning till midnight or later, seven days a week. And uh, not to pat yeah, myself. Now, now yeah. you have, your, you have your, your, your mansion in LA. Oh, yes. Uh, you, you have your private, your, your private jet. You, Hold on, so I'm, I'm getting coming. my Here private jet. I'm back. You, you have your private jet that's flying you to your mansion in the Caymans. Um, and there we go. That's your private jet. And, and there it is. Yes, it flies you to your mansion in the Caymans. Um, yes. <laughs> Look, yeah, we're kidding. That. You're kidding. But, but here you are. You're still paying the mortgage with this 30 some years later. Yeah, so you did it. You did it. I did it. Uh, I, there are times that I regret not taking on equity partners early in the game to give myself a lot more money. I wish that I, I should have hired a team of half a dozen, six to 10 really good front and back end programmers. That's the one thing that Taxi <clears throat> has always lacked, which was not having a team of Guys, I've, I've got a good graphics guy on the front end and a really good database guy on the back end, but I'm one of 20 clients for each of them. And there's sometimes I need something in an hour and I have to wait 10 days to get it. So yeah, I, I've made some mistakes along the way, but the bottom line is you're right. It's all very analogous to a musician starting up because you've said yeah. it before, you're, you're starting a small business. And, uh, Michael, if I, can, if I can offer you a little secret, I have a bunch of really good front and back end developers 
and I need something in an hour, and it sometimes still takes 10 days to get it. <laughs> and they're really good. <laughs> but yeah. they're all busy. They're, yeah. all busy. they're all working on other stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. I've always said the good ones go to Google or somewhere in Silicon Valley, and everybody else, all the small business people get the table scraps. But sometimes you get somebody, like in my case, the, the guy, both of my guys, the, but the guy who does our back end, this is really smart. Sometimes I'm so impressed with him, but he probably does just doesn't play well with others on a team. And that's why he chose not to go to work for a Google or whomever, because he does better sitting in his basement. Should have been a hacker. By the way, I want to recommend a TV show, which has nothing to do with anything, but I started watching it. Somebody recommended it to me. It's on Apple Plus, um, and it's called Tehran. And if you liked fat Fauda or yeah. any of the shows in that genre, it's like that. And as much as I love Fauda, biggest fan ever, this one's 10% better. My couch now has really? fingernail marks in the cushions. Fauda is an amazing show. Okay, amazing. well, this one, the uh, acting is a little better in Fauda, but this one, after episode three or four, the acting starts to get better as often as the case. It, it, you just sit there going, holy crap, holy crap. Oh my God, I got to turn it off. No, no, I can't turn it off. <laughs> I was literally talking out loud to myself saying, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll have to watch it. I'll add it. I'll add it to my list. So, you know, back. Yeah, to back to the subject. <laughs> uh, let me reel you in. Let me reel you in. Uh, right. Please um, do. So, you know, so what's the answer, right? It's not not to be on Spotify, right? It's. I, I, and I, you you alluded to it yourself already. You, you just have to you have to create your own demand. You, yeah. you know, it's the million dollar question. So what do you got to do? Well, for starters, be good. Like uh, be more than good, right? Be better than good. If you want people to listen to your stuff, your stuff has to be worth listening to. Um, Oof, there's your quote. And and. <laughs> It's it's the old that you know I've said it a million times and I might have heard it from one of your A and R folks or not I remember I've said it so often right a great uh, uh, you know um, <laughs> um, oh you know your stuff has to be Marshall you, I Altman mean, I know where you're going with this uh, the floor is bad the ceiling is good great is the sun no. Um, <laughs> a great song, no, a great song or a good song doesn't guarantee success, but a mediocre song guarantees failure, right? And, uh, and, and, and so, and I, look, I, I've, I've given you kudos before at, at, including at the start of this video broadcast transmission, whatever. This is one of the big value adds that Taxi offers to its members and, and to a big extent through the road rally. Like uh, your A&R your service, your screening, you know, forwarding compositions, awesome. But the big, to me, the big value is helping your members be write better songs. Yeah. And and, uh, you know, it, it's I, I don't know of any there are 
there, there clearly are songwriting uh, coaches and professionals and there's co-writing and things, but I, there's no organization that I know of that, that, that really kind of systemically does what you're doing uh, to help songwriters write better songs. And, and, and so thank that's you. A, that, that's for, a big for, deal. Thank you for acknowledging that. And, you know, honestly, when I wrote the business plan for Taxi, I didn't have anything in there about community. I've, I've still got literally the original, like, 48-page business plan that I went to Staples and put the little punches in and the little black curly cue things on the edge. I've still got that very one. But I never anticipated how important community was because... Back when I started Taxi, AOL and CompuServe were the only ways to get online. Nobody could envision, at least I couldn't envision, maybe somebody like Steve Jobs might have, that things moving at the speed of the internet would allow a community to form on its own. And communities are only valuable when they are organic. The community members find each other. You can't say, let's start a community. I've literally seen a hundred companies loosely in our mutual space that have tried to grow a community. Unless you're giving out free something that people really value on a regular basis, they're not even gonna walk through the door. And in my case, all I did was pour the foundation, put the walls up and open the barn doors. And the people that came in built the community. They are the people yeah. that go to the roadway. They're the people, people laugh at our forum. Oh, I can't believe you have a forum. It's old technology, but it was the, the nucleus, the genesis of Taxi's community is on that yeah. forum. And, and unlike social media, which is very ephemeral, you put something up, it's forgotten and gone in, in a matter of seconds, the best minutes. The forum lives forever and it just keeps building and building and building and getting better. And um, so many of our successful members and members who are on the cusp of getting successful have all said, the relationships I've met, made on the forum, uh, the stuff that I've learned on the forum, everything you have a question for, there's an answer on the taxi forum. So again, as much as I would love to go, yeah, I, I, I saw that commute, that need for a community and built it. It wasn't purely an accident. At least I recognized that it was something good and did what I could to give it a hug and kind of foster the growth, but it wasn't in the business plan. And thank God the members have built it on their own because I believe that it is the greatest value of taxi. Yeah, so absolutely. So, so you as an artist have to be great. Your compositions have to be great. Your recordings have to be great, which is, that that's pretty accessible nowadays, right? Digital recording is, is yeah. Uh, is very affordable. Uh, you just you you need an engineer or a producer who can make you sound good. I mean, I still or learn how to do it yourself, but that takes work. I still hear some recordings that come into this maker's and I'm like, that's, uh, you know, that's that's the best they could do. Um, so your recordings have to be great, and your performances. If you're a performer, right, it's not just about getting out there and knowing your songs like people if people want to hear your songs they listen to them in the car on headphones or, you know while they're walking their dog right yeah. when people come out to see your performance they want to see a freaking performance right they they want to be touched emotionally and 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 so so you need to rehearse that you need to rehearse the whole show how you relate to your audience uh, your your banter in between songs, 
how you interplay with your lead guitarist when he solos and you know i mean all these things like the big artists rehearse their whole stage performance yeah right you can do that in your basement um and uh, i mean these these are things that you know again back when i was a stupid punk rock kid i wish i had known these things um but and now now it's too late i make too much too much money selling cds Okay. You know, the CD business ain't what it used to be. But Taylor Swift didn't happen by accident. Just because she's yeah. kind of pretty and her songs are kind of cute and funny sometimes. She worked her butt off. She deserves, she, she just worked. became, yeah, just became she a billionaire. Really hard. And really still hard. does. Still does. So, uh, you know, speaking of CDs, people laugh at them. Uh, this year we had so many people saying, hey, you guys got to chill with the CDs, handing out the CDs at the rally. And it's true, a lot fewer people have CD burners. But I think your point has always been well taken that going back to building a following, playing a club like the Middle East in Philly, wherever, it, there's still building something organic with your audience and, and making a performance creating a performance that is compelling enough that people go, hey, I heard Van Veen's band is playing. Let's go watch them again. I really liked that last so, time. CDs, you know? So that's my second. So my second. So the first one is you got to be great. Second piece of kind of basic wisdom is you've got to engage with fans. You've got to. Yeah. You can't just put your stuff out there and hope, right? You got to. If you're performing. Absolutely. You know. Be, we started talking about be friendly. Be friendly to people who talk to you. Be nice. Be cool. You know, uh, when you have your socials, comment on your fans' comment. You know, when, when people comment on your socials, answer them. Like their comment. or, or com I mean, how often haven't you seen a tweet from some regular person and, you know, John Mayer retweeted something of theirs or like something of theirs and then they're like oh john mayer right they're like my tweet whatever um so you know take that selfie and <laughs> it leads you know go to the merch booth and sign that cd i was at a concert a few months ago uh this african artist north african artist named Bom bombino this guy didn't speak a word of english uh he was uh like they play this elect Saharan electric blues, like really cool stuff. And like they're rocking. And then like the bass player says, oh, and I, I, I've been a Bombino fan. It was like the third or fourth time I've seen him. Wow. I had a couple of his CDs and the bass player says, oh, uh, Bombino is going to be out there to sign CDs. And I'm like, wow. And I'm like, what language? I had, zero, I had a little bit of French. We, we spoke some bad French. My French was bad, and I don't know how bad his French was. But but <laughs> I had zero interest in buying a CD of his until I heard Bombino is going to be there. He was selling CDs for 25 bucks. Of course, wow. he, had to buy a he had to buy a ticket from, I don't know, North Africa somewhere where he came from. So uh, I, I didn't care. I wanted to support him on the road. He, this is a guy. He's not on a big label. He's releasing his own stuff. I'll pay 25 bucks. He signed it. 
we took a selfie and I'm happy as a clam. I never listened to the CD, but I was able to support him, right? I yeah. listened to it on Spotify, but I was able to support him. And that's the big thing when people kind of scoff at CDs. Does anybody listen to CDs anymore? Doesn't matter. The fans will buy your CD and your vinyl, particularly if you make it into a keepsake by autographing it. Yeah. And they'll put money in your pocket. Look, Bombino. Forget about Bambino. If you sell CD for $10, which is, by the way, fans will pay more than $10 has become like the de facto kind of selling price for a CD. Fans will pay $15 all day long for a CD. And what am I going to spend if I get, if I order like 200 or 500 CDs? What's my per unit cost? Like nothing. Under two bucks, right? $1.50, two bucks. So, Sell for $10, let's say it costs you $2. You get $8 in profit when you sell it at your concert. I mean, that $8 would have taken 3,000 streams. That's mind blowing. <laughs> right? Mind blowing, yeah. 3,000 streams. It's like somebody, some, it's like somebody listened to your song 3,000 times or listening to an album 300 times. I don't know about you, I don't have too many albums that I've listened to 300 times. So, um yeah i've I've got a dozen and they're all stealing stealing dan and the eagles and the beatles (laughs) so 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 the point and and by the way i just saw i just got a catalog it's holiday time so i the catalog traffic that lands (laughs) on my kitchen table is really multiplying big time i got one from uh moma in new york museum of modern art yeah and i'm 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 paging through it and I'm like, let me see what kind of cool stuff they have. You know what they had in there? A CD player. Wow. So was it CDs like a fancy right. Bang & Olufsen one or something or just? No, it was a cool one. It was a little one. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like off here because it's, it's moving. If I move right, the image on screen moves left. So it's a little CD player, but it's like, it's, it's like translucent, so you can kind of see the innards of it. it it's 140 bucks. Um, so I have artists saying, well, I don't have a CD player. My fans don't have a CD player. And I tell them, it doesn't matter. It actually doesn't matter. Enough people have one, but the CD is a keepsake. The vinyl record is a memento yeah. that they saw you, that they supported you. You're... If you're an independent artist and people like your music, they realize it's tough to make a living as an artist and they are happily willing to part with 10 or 20 or $25 for a CD or for a vinyl record. Yeah, they, so not everybody's gonna buy, right? Not everybody's gonna buy. It doesn't matter, right? It, the minimum order is 100 units. Sell five tonight. If you sell like a CD, the economics of a CD, you pay for 100. If you sell 15 or 20, you got your money back. It's like a practically a no risk, you know, albums, you sell 30. You just said something really important, which is, yeah, you got your money back. No, you got your investment back, but the dividends will continue to pay down the road. Maybe that CD is sitting on a coffee table and their friend comes over. Oh, you, have you seen Bambino live? Yeah, I have, man. Every time he's in Philly, I go to the show. Oh, cool. So now there, you know, there's that little the branching off effect that comes from that one CD. Yeah. 
Well, that's cool. Um, you know, everybody thinks their music is great. Some is, some is less than great. But I, I, you said this earlier, um, don't, I don't want people to delude themselves into thinking their music is great enough that it will compel somebody to become a fan because we are talking, it's kind of the, the thousand fan theory that we're talking about that's been around for yeah. years. Um, find a way to make your music great. And that is write better songs. And you know what? I, I preach being contemporary all the time because the industry demands that of us and Taxi's members for the most part. There are rare exceptions where they want vintage stuff or stuff that's influenced by a vintage sound. But people are, well, I'm older than you. I think I'm about 10 years older than you are. And uh, people of my generation, people who grew up with the Beatles, um, Beatles, I, I was nine years old when they premiered in America on Ed Sullivan in 1964. So my point being that even though, let's say I'm an artist, Michael Lasko, singer, songwriter, I'm going to sound dated because I'm still locked into that mindset of what music sounded like in my golden years of developing my taste and falling in love with music, which usually happens between like junior high and maybe until you have your first kid, because kids definitely slow down your music consumption. There's no question. Then, then your music uh, consumption becomes Barney. Um, but yeah. <laughs> my point until they until they become teenagers, and then you start hearing what they're listening to. Exactly. Uh, if you want to have any contact with them whatsoever, other than can I have the car keys and I need fifty bucks. My point being that you know, even though I preach remaining contemporary to everybody, maybe your audience is more Michael Lasko's. Maybe your audience is more people in their sixties. So figure out who your audience is and make sure rather than struggling to become contemporary to sell CDs at a show to a bunch of 20 or 30 somethings that probably aren't going to come. If your music sounds like James Taylor, wear that on your sleeve, be loud, be proud, and then figure out who do you know that likes music of the James Taylor, Carol King era and make those, put those people on your mailing list and those people will buy your CDs. So there is always a way to skin the cat. Well, that, that brings me to my third point. It's amazing how these conversations go. You do have to learn how to market, yeah. right? How to, how to find an audience, how to, how, to, how to relate to an audience, how to create that value-added content, whether it's a post on social media that people engage with or a newsletter that you write where you, the, the stuff that you write actually is something that's worth reading, that is interesting enough yeah. Right. It's not just you're not just spamming him with a new album out buy my album, buy my T-shirt, right, buy my CD, buy my vinyl. Like that, that, that's a great way to, to, to actually become spam very quickly. But if you talk about whatever your dream last night or your tales from being on the road or what inspired you to write a certain song, like if people like your music, tell them something that yeah. they might be interested in reading. Learn how to write. You've learned how to write songs. Learning how to write copy is a similar kind of experience. Practice, practice, practice. Get feedback. Uh, you know, work on getting better. This, by the way, um, 
you know, you, you talked about, uh, you know, whether you're actually great or not great. I, I did a, a video post on one of my videos a month ago, maybe about the single biggest thing holding back an artist. Hmm. And to me, the single biggest thing holding back an artist is thinking they're great. Wow. Because they're probably not. And if you think you're great, and I hear it from artists when I offer them feedback, some artists say, oh, interesting. I'll, I'll check that out. And other artists are like, yeah, no, but that's because this or that or the other reason, <laughs> right? Or, yeah, no, no, but actually, no, my fans like this. I'm uh, different. Intro. Right. I'm My the exception. like a two-minute two <laughs> intro, right? Uh, or I, I... Not even your mother likes a two-minute intro. I don't have intro. to stick to these... I, yeah, I don't have to stick to these industry rules because my fans are, my fans are different. So if for you to get good, you have to have a growth mindset. You have to be willing to learn, listen, and work at getting better. And that's how you get good. And if you come into this thinking, my shit doesn't stink, then you're not going to get any better than you already are. That's right. You'll be exactly where you are five years from now, 10 years. We had somebody come to a road rally years ago and sent me a very poignant email that makes your point. He said, I've been playing shows for 35 years. I learned more at one road rally than I have 35 years of being a working musician. And that's because he just kept doing the same thing over and over and over. He didn't go anywhere to expand his knowledge or his skill set. You know, it's interesting. That reminds me of, you know, we look, I, I have a, our manufacturing business. We employ a few hundred people and, you know, there are certain people who who learn they learn new skills they learn to work different equipment they become you know they get promoted and there's other people that you know they want to get a raise every year but they're not necessarily growing and i, I had uh there was a conversation about compensation one year and you know about a, a person and <laughs> the the question that the HR person asked me is, do they actually have 10 years of experience or do they have 10 times one year experience? <laughs> wow. Right? Uh, because if you don't have a growth mindset, all you have is the same one year of experience 10 years in a row instead I of actually endorsing. Here, I, I have four, I took four years of French in high school, four years of French 101. I flunked, <laughs> I flunked it four years in a row. Finally, yeah. my senior year, my French teacher said, I'm going to pass you just so you can graduate high school, but you should never try to learn another foreign language. I've never met anybody has no capacity to learn a foreign language. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, man, where do you get this stuff? You, you, you should be writing a book. Uh, I, if only I knew a company that would publish books. Yeah, um, if only. <laughs> well, man. So, um, so I have, I have, look, I have one, I, I know we're, we're, 
we're actually nearing we're actually filling our 90 minutes what a surprise yeah, we got 20 um, minutes or 10 minutes left uh, yeah so the the so again kind of how do you get out from under the financial tyranny of spotify right if we can call it that you got to be great you got to engage with the fans you got to learn to market you got to realize money has to change hands at some point right if it's not Spotify royalties, you got to sell something else. You got to sell a concert ticket. You got to sell a CD. You got to sell a T-shirt, a vinyl record, and you have to ask for the sale. There has to be some, some, some ask. And then I think the last thing for me is you have to be patient, right? Rome was not built overnight. This thing takes years, and the gains don't go from here to here overnight, right? This whole thing with the voice and all of a sudden you, right, all of a sudden, you know, you come in as some singer nobody's ever heard of. And next thing you know, you, you're you getting coached by <laughs> Christina Ag Aguilera and like your hot shit, even though those people on the voice, they, they, they don't really go too far anyway. But but yeah. they can they can they can always be, a, a you know, a, a, a low tier like finalist on the voice when they uh, when they perform live somewhere but the gains are incremental you have to be constantly writing you have to be constantly recording and performing and you're building on the shoulders of everything you've done before and it's a step by step by step and everything builds as you build your works your catalog your experience you know your relationships with locals it, it so much of it it's all local right i mean even as, as much of a hurry you are as getting out of your town, when you're an emerging artist, you're going to deal with the local promoter in that town. And frankly, yeah. every year you're going to come through that town. And as you get bigger, probably the odds are that that promoter is also booking bigger venues in that town. And so you're going to keep running in the same, into the same people. Like local is key and patience is key. It takes years to do this and 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 to make it the overnight successes are they, they've they've taken five seven ten fifteen years frequently to become right. an overnight success I, I met a young lady at the road rally she came up to the lip of the stage just to say i just wanted to say hi i'm a member and thank you so much this has been a mind-blowing conference great i know i said what's your band name because she said i'm in a, a touring band and it was indre i-n-d-r-e um she she had something she was shy but i could see the fire in her eyes and i actually googled her that night my hotel room i wanted to see what does this band have going on are, are they playing three shows a week to 500 people or what and they're not from what i could tell but she's a one-woman wrecking crew for the band it's her and her brother and a couple other people and she she's booking the bands and i would estimate her age to be 23 years old She's learning it from the ground up. And I remember mm -hmm. having the thought, exhausted from that day at the rally, sitting you know, in my bed with my laptop, going, I pray to God that this young lady makes it because she's doing all the right stuff and she's got the right attitude. So if you're watching Maddie Indre, you've got a fan. You made a fan at the road rally because of your work ethic. Um, you know what? I didn't even listen to any of the music yet because I was so busy. I just wanted to see... Do they have a following? Are they doing? But she's doing that old school, one fan at a time, and I hope she never gives up because she 
she has started out in doing all the right things. Um, somebody just asked a question, and we've got enough time for a question, probably. Let me go back to it. Uh, this is from Song from a Headband. Um, <laughs> married to, I've got a brush. Uh, Tony, on Disc Makers, what is the CD's duplication number that you use? Is it 4X, oh, 8X, or 12X, or is it higher? Can you please elaborate on this? Thank you. I have no idea. I'm not sure. Uh, I think that it, refers... It, 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 I, I assume that's this, this, the, the, the multiple of the recording speed. Right. Um, so... Some of our CDs, if you're ordering less than 300, they're 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 duplicated on on blank media, um, and I, I don't know what it is. They they meet the proper spec. They play, so it, there's no quality difference there for a lower or a higher uh, record speed. Uh, if you're ordering or making 300 CDs or more, we we, re we replicate them. We mold them from polycarbonate pellets according to red book standard and uh so they're they'll all play they're guaranteed to play good name for a band the polycarbonate pellets love that band <laughs> yes. i would go to the middle east and downtown philly to watch them anytime <laughs> yes. um here's one got eh, five minutes left uh michael and tony is there a way to incentivize cd lp sales by using as proof of purchase for discounted live ticket sales, perhaps a unique ID or QR per CD slash LP dovetailed incentives. I'm going to toss this one over to you, even though my name is included. I'm sure you're a better person to answer than I. What you can do with it is only limited by your imagination. Like I, I've seen, I've seen so many things. You know, I, I've seen get a free CD with a concert ticket uh, or get in to concert free with a CD, right? Or yeah, that's a good I, I've, I've, I've seen, um, I mean, we're, we're not even talking about bundling, right? Buy a t-shirt and a CD, get a, get a, or get it buy a t-shirt, get a CD free or buy a t-shirt and my latest album and get my previous album for free. Uh, I've seen, I mean, there's so many cool things. There was this artist um, that we made CDs for, Queen Herbie, and she was she was she she had a, a band by another name uh, that was very well known on YouTube, and eventually she went solo. She had a bunch of YouTube followers. She put out an album. I speak to the manager. Would you want to do something cool? I'm like, well, why don't you do a pre-sale and have the pre-sale be autographed CD. So she would autograph every CD that was bought during the pre-sale to incentivize the most CDs as possible. Because then on the release date, all those pre-sales hit and you're charged immediately. Right? Wow. Because yeah. physical sales, physical sales count much more heavily than streams. So she did this. We Brilliant. sent her the CDs. We sent her the CDs um on polyrap so she could autograph all the booklets and um, she was she was selling them for pre-sale because they were autographed 25 bucks in in 72 hours she sold she sold 
3,000 CDs. Do the math, that's 75 grand, right? In, in, in three days. So yeah. she had a following, but this was just a little bit extra work. Yeah, she had to sign 3,000 CDs, boo-hoo, right? I used to sign all the marketing emails that, or marketing <laughs> uh, letters that so, went out and I would hand, we'd handwrite the addresses and I would sign these things and every, somebody scanned my signature and used it to, uh, on a bogus check. So that's when I quit putting my signature <laughs> out there. So here's a guy in the chat room and we got to wrap up here in like a minute and a half, but uh, somebody, where did that go? Oh, uh, as the structure fails, says we've done an order for 5,000 CDs recently. P people do still buy them for sure. So I don't know who this person is, probably a taxi member if they're watching the show today. And look at that, 5,000 CDs. So let's say you're making, you know, you're paying two $8. bucks. Yeah, make, sell them for 10, pay, could they cost 5,000, would it cost less than $2, right? Probably closer to a dollar. Wow. Um, and, uh, so you're, yeah, you're 45 grand, 40, 45 grand. If you sell them all, yeah. uh, and you got, you got plenty left to get, to give away, to send out as demos. Uh, you know, Chris Robley, who used to work for CD baby, he does a thing where he does a free CD, just pay shipping and handling. And he would charge like $6 for shipping and handling, which covers the dollar that the CD cost. Right. And so he's getting a bunch of people. He's like sending out hundreds of CDs. Now hundreds of clients of fans or potential fans have his CD. There's value to that, to that physical piece. It's, it's, it's just, you know, yeah. when they move from one house to another, they take it with them. Well, I've got to say, I love having you on the show. Um, you and I have conversations like this without an audience, but I'm really glad that the audience got to hang out with us today to be part of this. I yes, felt like it was a really productive conversation. Thank you. Um, and thank you as always for supporting the rally. This was technically a, a sponsorship thing from, uh, from the road rally uh, sequels. But when I have Tony on the show, <laughs> money, sponsorship, all that crap just goes out the window because we are, as you can see, really good friends have known each other for a long, long time. Our hearts are in the same place. I think our, our ethics on how to run a business are very much in line with each other. So it's like a good yeah. marriage, just like I mentioned at the yes. beginning of the yeah, show. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And this information was great. People are commenting in the chat room saying, Tony was great, great info uh or a taxi disc makers podcast i think you just saw it um yes. <laughs> darren moss darren moss actually darren where have you been buddy darren moss was in the chat room every day for the quarantinis during the lockdown and he lives in australia and he actually if i remember correctly owns his own ad ad agency in australia so it was nice having a fellow marketing person in the house with me because you and i love it i mean um i love it i love it yeah, I love talking to artists. I love talking business. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, the pleasure was all mine. Uh, thank you, Michael, for having me and uh, everybody who watched and listened. Um, I'm sorry, I actually can't read your comments, which uh, I'll have to go now to the YouTube channel and uh, that's right. Scroll, scroll through them. Well, um, people really like the show, I can tell, and I like the show, and that was great information. And uh, somebody needs to lead the charge. 
because left up to the masses, everybody will wait for the person sitting next to them to do it and it won't get done. And then they'll wring their hands and go, woe is me, woe is me, I'm getting screwed. Let's not get screwed. There you go, people. See you next Amen. week. I have not given any thoughts to next week. show. I'm a really bad executive producer of my own show. Uh, that's it. Over and out. Thank you, Tony. Thank you.